Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode where I get to speak to incredible guests from around the world. And today's guest is Jag Guild. Jag has got 15 years worth of leadership and management experience in the financial sector. Jag currently works as a leadership and development manager for Federated Hermes. Uh, Federated Hermes is an asset management company with 500 people in the UK, 2,000 people globally. And you know, when I, when I come across companies that has people spread around the world or around in other countries, that always makes me smile because it's an additional challenge for that company uh, to maintain the quality of leadership uh, that it needs. So I'm guessing that's an additional challenge for you, Jag. But uh, first and foremost, welcome to the show. Thank you, Cole. And, and yeah, I'm delighted to be here and um, kind of share really thoughts and, and have that conversation around this such a critical um topic and especially in kind of current times with so much going on so i think it's uh, i'm looking forward to the conversation yeah uh, and you're right i think i think times are changing right now and the last two three years have really tested us as uh, as leaders uh, and organizations it's made us think about our culture it's made us think about have we got the right leadership styles and uh, philosophies now uh, do the ones that we used to have still service in today's age? I think the world has changed a lot, Jag, in the last two or three years since the whole uh, lockdown and the pandemic. People are beginning to think differently. People value and prioritise uh, their psychological safety, their sense of value a lot more. Uh, and a lot of people are voting with their feet uh, through the great resignation or quiet quitting. So I think there's a lot of pressure on organizations to to really have a long, hard look at their leadership styles. A phrase that I came across the other day, and I wrote a post about this on LinkedIn, and it just went absolutely viral, was around kind leadership. And I said, you know, the future of leadership is kind leadership. What do you think about that? What does kind leadership mean to you? Just going back to one of your points in terms of what you talked about, the, the world's changing. You know, I came across the other day that we're in the VUCA world, mm. which is vulnerability, uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity. And, you know, the landscape has changed. And I think leaders and managers, they've got a, you know, they've got a real interesting challenge on their hands because, I think people, you know, in this landscape, when I'm working, I'm working with people and listening to conversations and what's going on around me, you know, people are living in um, heightened alert states. Mm. This this perception of fear, 
of I don't know what's around the corner. And as humans, we like to have certainty and we like to know things, you know, whether that's information, whether that's what's going to happen in the next meeting or next month. And we have all these plans. So I think the kind of whole landscape and the mindset of people is, you know, there's there's that just that subtle panic that's always there. There's that urgent. I need things now. Things are important. And we're so busy. And you know, for me, that's really interesting because, you know, and I'll come on to this in a, bit, in, a, in a bit about leading yourself first before leading others. But, so, you know, going back to what you said on, in the post, you know, and I, and I read it and, you know, we've never interacted before, right? And that, I saw that post and, you know, that word kindness, that really stood out for me because, you know, in a world where we can be anything, it is about being kind, not just to others, but to self as well. And having that kind and and self compassion and and a word that I, I love using, which I've heard, you know, a while ago, is looking at things in kind sight, not hindsight. I love that. Yeah, we could beat ourselves up over things, and and like I said, you know, managers and leaders now. I think the whole territory is not you know there's a bit of counselling now involved because people's like you said psychological safety well-being you know that's been stretched even more now there's more pressures more demands more complexity and that whole unknown state so I think you know there's some big challenges here and you know that kindness when that when you know there's all these fires around us and there's all this chaos going on let's look at some of these fires you know and, and you're absolutely right you know you talk about the the vuca world volatility uh, uncertainty complexity and ambiguity i mean the the concept of the vuca world was actually a construct i think was back in the 80s when you know we started getting digitalization the very the very birth of digitalization coming in but actually you know, we think about where where we are right now as a as a society, as a world. It is very VUCA. It, in fact, it's. Re- I think it's accelerating in terms of the the level of volatility and uncertainty that goes on in the world. Uh, so, I want to touch on this this whole concept of danger, this threat, and people feeling that this constant threat and anxiety that's going on. What do you think the the key drivers are for for that? I think you're absolutely right. But what do you think are the key drivers for all of this going on? I think that whole state of panic, I, I, I firmly be, believe behavior breeds behavior. Yeah. So where you have someone in the team, whether it's a leader or someone else um, who, you know, might be influential, they don't need necessarily to have that leadership or management senior position, right? They could have been there for 30 years and yeah. they've got the air of everyone. So I think, you know, there's that whole, when one person starts to flap a little bit and panic, you know, if you're not strong in who you are and what you bring to the party and you haven't got your own energy force field around you, you, you can get drawn into it. And then all of a sudden, you know, everything's doom and gloom. Everything's, you know, maybe the victim scenario where it's the company's fault or, you know, it's other external factors. And I think that I, what I've seen over time is a a real lack of self-awareness and being present in the moment. I think the whole danger, that threat and what's around the corner, I think that's when the mind starts running off and going into the future and, oh, I don't mm. know what's happening next or next week. And I think where I've seen people, you know, really be okay around the fires is where they're present, where they're in that moment. I, th- I think there's two issues going on right now. There's a lot of talk from uh, people, and I think this is mainly in the public sector, by the way, around burnout. 
people within the public sector, whether it's police, whether it's teachers, whether it's nurses, and you look at all the industrial action, a lot of that is around the concept of take pay to one side. Pay is obviously a, a, a factor within that. But a lot of that is around this concept of feeling unsafe due to burnout because there's increasing workload, more people off sick, more work then going on to those people that are remaining, more work coming on anyway because of the, 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 the we're still having the fallout of uh, um, the pandemic. But then there's the other element, I think, and the other element is around uh, anger or uh, frustration or whatever you want to call it. And I read something really interesting the other day and they were talking about grievances. And they said, there's real, really four drivers for any kind of grievance. And I'm going to try and remember these off the top of my head. I might get these wrong. But they were saying that the four drivers that take anyone down the whole grievance route could be uh, uh, anger, um, vulnerability, um, anxiety, and uh, humiliation. And if any any people feel any one of these, they are more likely to go down that route of feeling aggrieved. And if they feel aggrieved, then they might demonstrate that in, in a sense of frustration, anger, uh, or some kind of a backlash against the organisation. And I think, you know, I find that fascinating. I'm going to have to do a lot more reading around this, but if we focus in on those four things, then maybe we can find some cures for those four things. What could we do as leaders maybe to make people feel less aggrieved or less angry, frustrated, uh, you know, uh, feeling humiliated or threatened in any, any kind of way? I think that's really interesting. I mean, those are real powerful emotions. Um, and, mm. you know, when you, when, you, when you look at kind of, you know, on, I guess on the colour spectrum and there's lots of scans being done of the body and the brain imaging where when you feel certain emotions, certain parts of the body light up quite strongly and brightly. I think in terms of leaders around those kind of four areas, look, there's a couple of things in my you know humble opinion. Um, one is for leaders to recognise the, the red flags that are around them. And often they're so busy with their strategy, vision, they're on their mission, you know, they want to achieve. And let's be honest, in the day and age we're in, there's a lot of competition with each other and certain egos need to be protected or built. You know, there's a whole host of things going on. So I think in terms of leaders is recognize, just pausing, being in the moment, being in tune to the energy and what's going on around you, the, the language people are using, the little telltale signs. You know, someone's now suddenly quiet in a meeting. They've never been quiet before. But the leader so, you know, or the manager is so engrossed in what they've got to do that they've not really seen those signs. And I think secondly, if they see those signs, have that hot, you know, genuine conversation as a human. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, rather than shying away, because I think a lot of leaders and managers shy away from maybe having those conversations because, look, yeah. as humans, we're messy individuals, right? We've got so much baggage and lots of things going on around us. And, you know, life isn't always about, you know, sunshine and rainbows. So I think just tuning in, being present and actually having those real conversations, I think, makes a big difference. Um, and people know when someone cares or not. They can pick it up. Yeah. I think you're picking up. Uh, I just want to really bring out those two really strong points uh, that you're making there. One is around, you know, the, the first thing that you're saying is that, you know, leaders almost need to have this radar switched on. They need to yeah. be. We need to understand that leadership is first and foremost about other people. 
Uh, and we need to have our radar switched on to people and understand what emotions might be at play. Now, I, my specialism is emotional intelligence. One of the things I teach is that we need to be aware of the emotions in other people and how those emotions are translating into the actions or the behaviours uh, that might come out. And similarly, as you quite rightly said earlier on, um, we need to become leaders of ourselves before we become leaders of anybody else. So self-awareness is critically important. You've You've just talked about how leaders are very, very busy. When we're talking about burnout and we're talking about, uh, you know, this, this, this sense of frustration that people are holding, that actually applies to leaders as well. So part of the whole idea of leading has to be about, am I leading myself? Am I, am I managing my workload? Am I looking after my mental health? Am I, am I fit at this moment in time to do the to, you know, fulfill the responsibilities that I've got as a leader. And if I'm not, what do I need to do to get fitter? What do I need to do to, 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 to become a better leader in my own mind space before I become a better leader for other people? I think that's one of the first things. Uh, leaders uh, practicing a bit of self-care. I think the second thing that you talked about there, uh, which is, you know, we've got to have the conversation. I think you're so, so right. I mean, Many of the, the programs, the human-centered leadership programs that I, I deliver, one of the fundamentals that many of the leaders on, on our programs talk about is, I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable sitting down in a room with somebody, telling them either that their performance is poor or that I've noticed something about them or that I disagree with them on, on a certain issue or that I go into a meeting uh, full of extroverts and I'm the introvert in the room and they're very, very loud people and I know what they're talking about in my heart of hearts is not the right direction, but I feel that I can't say my piece. So we need to learn the, the skills, the ability to be able to to proffer up an alternative view or to have a difficult conversation, as, uh, uh, as Susan Scott would refer to as a fierce conversation. We need to have the ability to do that, but in a very professional kind of way, managing our own emotions uh, during the process as well. So I think if we were to get those two things right, Jack, we'd actually be far better off because we'd have better leaders, better managed leaders, uh, and also as a consequence of that, we'd probably be able to pick up on a lot of the issues, the early signs of people who are either going down the burnout route or down the frustration anger route uh, that we talked about as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just took kind of some notes here, what you said, because, you know, all of this resonates with me in kind of in my experience. So, you know, you just you know, talked about workload and burnout. Whilst I fully agree that, you know, um, there's more work coming down the track and someone once said, today's the slowest day of your life because tomorrow will get faster, more things, yeah. you know, thrown at you. I think from what I've seen with coaching and working with individuals and teams is you've got to be careful of the language you're using. Because if you're constantly saying you're really busy, you're overworked, you're overstressed, firstly, you devalue that word. So if everything is urgent, what is actually urgent? And I think we have to be very mindful of actually there's, there we can create space to breathe and to recharge, such as asking for help. A lot of people that I've seen maybe when I've coached who maybe burn out or they come into, you know, to that red zone, 
is because they're taking on so much and they're people pleasing. Mm. They're not negotiating, pushing back on boundaries, which most people are okay with. You know, if you kind of say, actually, I can't get to this to you on Tuesday. How about Thursday? That would work. You know, most people, you know, generally, obviously depends what profession you're in. They'll go with that. So I think, you know, there's things we can do and feel empowered about and not fully say it's just the workload. It's it's always going to be the workload. Like when I speak to people and ask them, mm. hey, how's things going? How's your day? Oh, really busy. And I'm like, well, if I asked you the same question a year ago, I wonder if you would have said the same thing. And if I asked you a year before, you probably would have said the same thing. So I think it's about kind of using language and what we think and how we talk and the words that manifest, which then affect our behaviors, to really think about what we're saying and is it helping us and hindering. And yeah. you talked about um, leaders taking self-care. I said to someone the other day, funnily enough, um, I said, oh, you know, what time's your lunch? And she said, oh, you know, soon. And I said, look, try not to eat at your desk. I said, do you charge your phone every day? And she was like, yeah. And I said, so what about yourself? You know, you're more value. What's more important, the phone or you? Mm. And it kind of made her think, actually, do you know what? Yeah, I should go out for a walk. I should sit away from my desk. You know, if we're, you know, there's a lot of talk about millennials coming on board. Well, you know, the next generation. Well, what are we role modeling? You know, things like leaders. What, you know, what are they role modeling? Because people are watching leaders and, and they're taking their cues for them. And leaders, you know, sometimes they don't realize that the influence that they can have just through their actions without even talking. I think that's important. Absolutely. I mean, I mean that's something something I, I often refer to uh, and we call it the leadership shadow. So it's the shadow that you cast as a leader and, uh, and, 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 and often the people who are affected by your leadership might emulate some of the actions and behaviours that you have as a leader. So we need to be very, very alive uh, as leaders to how am I coming across? How am I thinking? What are my actions like? Are they of good quality? You know, uh, and I think that's the additional responsibility of being a leader, to, to be quite frank. Uh, I love the analogy there about charging your phone and you're not charging yourself. I think... In a very, very simplistic way, that's basically the truth of it all, isn't it? If we are not charging ourselves, if we're not looking after ourselves, if we're not, you know, filling our cup, we simply can't pour for other people. We can't do things for other people. and We haven't got the, the requisite energy. The other thing that made me think is one of the analogies when I'm talking about resilience and resilience coaching is, look, when you get on a, a, a flight somewhere, one of the things they say to you is you put your own mask on. Yeah, so you've got to help yourself. If you're broken and your battery's drained, well, in the VOCA world, you're going to snap back. You're going to send that email and then you're going to think back, oh, I shouldn't have. And thank God for the Microsoft button that says recall emails because I'm sure <laughs> that saved a lot of careers and very interesting and tricky conversations. Um, they need to have the same button, Jag. They need to have the same button. And I often talk about this analogy. They need to have the same button when it comes to WhatsApp or texting oh, yeah. or texting your significant other, you know? Uh, so you might be out of the house and he or she might send you a message that you you perceive to be <laughs> confrontational. And before you know it, by the time you got home, you've had this huge row, <laughs> silent row. Cool. You know, one of the things you said about the shadow, um, it's also the fragrance. Mm. Some mm. leaders cast a shadow wherever they go and others, and this is not just about leaders or managers, but just individuals, wherever they go, they just leave this 
good fragrance they make people feel appreciated valued alive and people remember these things and in this day and age where you've got a million things on your to-do list you know people will move you up that list because they trust and they like and they just connect to you and that's powerful and i think so important i think i think you're so right and 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 the question always has to be isn't it (laughs) that is it a fragrance or is it a smell that you leave behind yeah yeah that's the other (laughs) really (laughs) one of the first exercises i do with uh, uh, most people when i do a leadership program and i'm talking about what we're talking about right now uh, uh the impact of leadership is Remember the best leader that you've ever had in your entire life, whether it's in this organization, another organization, outside of the organization, and, and, and put on a post-it note the qualities that made you think that they were the best leaders. And when everyone has put their post-it notes on, then I separate those post-it notes from, to, uh, between emotional intelligence and intelligence quotient. So EQ and IQ. And, more often than not, over 90% of the post-it notes sit in EQ. And I think it's Maya Angelou that once said, it's, it's not about what people do, it's how you make them feel or something like that. People remember you for how you make them feel, I'm paraphrasing. And, and that is so true because at, at a human level, it, we remember emotions more than we remember thoughts. And that's interesting. So if we are emotional beings and actually understanding what's going on in our brains, you know, when, when we are driven by emotions, our amygdala are firing off neurons because they're saying, oh, we're in danger, we're in danger. Firing off uh, 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 neurons in, in our limbic brain to all sorts of parts of our brain to, to activate fear, uh, fight, flight or freeze, which then very often leads to us trying to sledge, uh, smash a, a nut with a sledgehammer and taking the wrong action altogether that we later regret. So it really is about having much more conscious and logical thought and actually taking a step back and taking a breath and, and thinking things through, adding some logic and rationale. Sometimes we don't do that when we are uh, driven by our emotions. We can only do that, though, when we are have, have a sense of serenity or peace in our minds anyway. And if we are frustrated, burnt out, whatever it might be, we're going to struggle to do that. Therefore, we will struggle to make quality decisions. You've got two things that you're talking about, you know, the greatest leaders. So I was listening to something the other day, Nelson Mandela, you know, he's seen as one of the great leaders. Mm. And, um, the, you know, when they were asked, you know, how, how did you, you know, get this style or what, what's your thoughts on leadership? And he says, I remember his father being um, kind of part of a, a local community tribe. Yeah community group and he said to his father one of those two things here two lessons one thing was everybody sat in a circle and he goes secondly his father was the last to speak that's interesting so you know we're so busy forming our answers as leaders ready to dive in and just answer and we think we know it that i think that whole just pause and step back is important and you mentioned the word peace which i love I fully believe that it's only when you've made peace with yourself and you've made a friend with yourself, people will sense that energy. People will see you calm. Yeah, and you can handle things. I think you're absolutely right. I I have a a word that you will understand. Many of our leaders probably won't understand. It's called Sukshanti. Uh, So Sukshanti for me, my translation and my interpretation of of this word is, is basically peace, peace and serenity. And uh, so I have a simple rule in my life. My rule in my life, um, my wife and I practice this at home. 
I say, you know, everything in our house has to be Sukshanti, has to be covered by a layer of peace, serenity. Because when we operate in an environment of peace and serenity, it means our thoughts are calmer and the thoughts are deeper and we make better quality decisions or have better quality conversations. But that concept of Sukshanti, without getting too spiritual or anything like that, that concept of Sukshanti you can actually take into your workplace as well. If you create an environment of peace within yourself, then imagine how how better a quality of thought you will have as an individual. And also think about the leadership shadow that you will cast as well. That fragrance that you talked about early on. People, people feel it. If they don't notice it, they will certainly feel it or they will see it in your actions and they will then emulate those. So if you want to create leaders of the future, and by the way, that's what I believe leadership is all about fundamentally. We're all on a conveyor belt. Uh, and, you know, when I was in the police service for 32 years, people towards the end when I was retiring said, oh, we don't want you to go. And I said, well, hang on a minute. You know, my ego would probably love that. But the truth of it is, is that I've got to go at some point in time. Everybody has to go. We're on a conveyor belt. My role as a leader is to develop future leaders and the very best future leaders that I possibly can do. So I think when you when you have that sense of serenity and peace in your mind, the best leaders are those that can stay calm in the face of the most tumultuous situations. And I used to be a goal commander managing all sorts of critical scenarios and major incidents. But it's how do I, how did I manage to stay calm in, in amongst all of that? And what would people have noticed about me by me being calm? Would that make them feel calmer themselves as well? I think there's a real, real power in that. Yeah, and just a couple of things you just made me think here. Um, you know, how many times have we walked into, you know, whether it's a team meeting or it's at home, a family situation, and you can just feel the energy in the room. Absolutely. There's no yeah. coincidence because we're energy transmitters, right? We Whatever we think it manifests itself it leaks out so i think that you know what we we've got to be mindful of that and you mentioned you know the serenity and calmness wearing the crown of calmness is powerful mm. and what happens is over years every situation you're ever in if you can practice that one percent calmness what you've done over years and this is look this is lifelong mastery of self right ultimately this is the quest right to master our own mind and how we think behave and act and feel and if you build these reservoirs over time when that storm comes or that curveball comes or that email lands in your inbox that generally would trigger people you're actually okay with it and you know because you've practiced it and it takes time it doesn't happen overnight Mm. however every day we're faced with micro scenarios and situations that we can use to make ourselves better but we're so busy, 110 miles an hour and lots going on. And, you know, we miss those opportunities. So that, I think, is is, is a real big key. Uh, you know, this whole 100 miles an hour thing, uh, I, I think, don't you find, though, sometimes we're, we're chasing things for the sake of chasing things because we think that they are important. But when we use, and I, I, I love the model from Stephen Covey, the uh, time management model, where he says, you know, you really need to understand what's important and what's urgent. Not everything that is urgent is important, and not everything that's important is urgent. So actually, the, the, the one, one of the best ways of managing your time better and, and actually giving yourself more space in your head is, first and foremost, tackle all the things that are both urgent and important. Get them out of the way. 
Now look at the things that are neither urgent and neither important. Maybe get rid of those or, you know, put them right to the back of the list. Now look at the things that are uh, maybe urgent but not important and really question yourself, A, is it a job that you should do? B, is it a job that needs doing anyway? And C, is it a job that can be done later on? When you've done all of that, the whole goal in your life is really to only deal with things that are not urgent but very important. So you only deal with important stuff, but that important stuff, because you're managing your time a lot better, is no longer urgent. And therefore, you feel not under pressure anymore. And we get more peace and serenity, and therefore, we become better leaders. I I, I love that model, and I use that an awful lot in my own life. No, and I like that. And you just said, you know, we're chasing. um, And I think it's a question of asking, why are we chasing this? You know, is it to boost our ego? Is it to prove to the world because we maybe in school didn't do so great or our family has kind of, you know, didn't really believe, you know, much in in you or or us. So it's like, you know, why are you chasing? And there's also that law of attraction, right? That if you admit, you know, whatever you are, I I fully believe comes back to you through the universe. You know, if you have those um, peaceful thoughts and you're positive and you'll, you'll attract those individuals and also you know sometimes you just interact with people you know at work it's in the leadership space and you just don't realize the impact you've just had on them could be a one minute conversation or 10 minute you they've taken something from you. yeah you know one of my favorite books jag i don't know if you've read it um and a lot of people will think this is all a bit woo woo but you know what um entertain me for a while but one of my favorite books is the celestine prophecy uh, now, I don't know if you've read it, but it's been around a long, long time. But Celestine Prophecy is a fictional book, but it's all about a guy who goes on a spiritual journey, but it, he learns the art of feeling energy. And there are, there are sections in the book where he, if he looks at a plant strong enough, closely enough with the right kind of energy, he can see the energy coming away from the plant. And there's sections in the book where he sees people having conversations and he sees a transfer of energy, dark energy against light energy, when somebody's shouting at another person or trying trying to overpower them or bully them. And he can see the transfer of energy and how how that black energy, the dark energy, is sucking out the energy from the other person. And I have to say, I I know there's uh, some people will say, well, this is just ridiculous. Well, it may be, I don't know. But the truth of it is, when we come across a person that really zaps our energy, we do walk away sometimes feeling a bit a bit exhausted. So for me, I have a rule in my life. Uh, this is how I filter the people that come into my life. Uh, I used to say I love hanging around with uh, like-minded people until I started hanging around with like-minded people. And I found that just because people think the same as you doesn't mean they are the same as you. Uh, uh, so... Let me just explain this a bit more. What I now say is I'll connect with like-minded people, but I only ever get close with like-valued people. And I think at the very heart of a person are the sets of values. And values are much, much deeper than your thoughts. 
So now I look for the values in people and how they operate, how what their moral compass is like. And I, I gravitate towards people with similar values. And I find that that works really, really powerful for me. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and it's thinking about people's philosophy and their approach to, you know, there's so many philosophies out there and theories on leadership management. And, and sometimes you just have to figure it out yourself and put the pieces, but work with what your style is genuine and authentic and people pick up on those things are you genuine are you authentic um i think that's really important just to be you and it's not to say you know this is me like it or love it or hate it and i'm not going to change because actually you know adapting as we know and being flexible is important but it's know what you bring to the party you know know your philosophy know what value you bring your what your strengths are and also know the things that actually you're not really great at and you know, you maybe struggle with or find a bit of a challenge. And just just as a finishing point, one of the things that we've talked about there, and you mentioned it a couple of times, is ego. Um, I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday, and, uh, I, you know, I do a lot of teaching around leadership communication and public speaking. And I said, you know, one of the really powerful ways of connecting with your audience so that they have credibility in you, or rather you have credibility in their eyes, is to tell a story, uh, tell a story about yourself. Um, so I gave an example and I said, how, how did that resonate with you? He said, well, you've told your story, but how do you make sure or how do you overcome the, this feeling of perhaps I'm coming from a place of ego just because I'm talking about myself? And, and I find that an interesting uh, sort of question because if we are telling our story to help other people to live their story, and we tell the story in such a way that it comes from a place of teaching or learning or introspection, then I don't think that's ego. Just because we talk about ourselves doesn't mean it's a driven by ego. And I think a lot of people are still fearful of their inner thoughts and their own capabilities and don't celebrate what they do often enough. Uh, because they are fearful that other people will say they're being very, very egotistic or that it's full of pride. And I think there's a fine balance to be had. Um, you know, we talk about the imposter syndrome an awful lot. I still suffer with the imposter syndrome. My wife is the per my mirror who will say to me, you can still do this. Look at all the amazing things that you're doing. You can do this. Uh, but I still suffer with that. So I still have to reframe the language inside my own head. And I think there's a lot of people out there like that. But my message to them would be, don't think that just because you talk about yourself, that is egotistic. It, it, can, it can actually be very, very powerful. Yeah, it just depends how you think about it and the perspective. Like you said, you know, by me sharing my story, I'll give someone hope, inspiration, and maybe mm. a path forward to clear that mind cloud and or mind fog. Or versus actually, you know, I'm, I'm telling my story and people are just going to think, Oh, I'm being egotistical and it's just all about me, me, me. So once again, it just comes on mindset, how you want to look at it. And we know as humans, we connect through stories and they're really powerful because it shows, you know, we connect at a different level. So I think, you know, you have, to, and I mean, look, I, we all suffer with imposter syndrome. It's never going to go away, but it's how you manage and cope and make it a friend and use it in a way to advance you and the people around you as well. So I think, you know, it's, it's always going to be there. Jack, I want to say thank you for a fascinating conversation. I've really, really enjoyed it. Uh, we've, we've explored leadership, but in a way that many, many conversations don't explore leadership. I, I absolutely have enjoyed it. I want to say thank you so much for being here and I look forward to meeting you again. Thank you, Cole. Listen, it's been a pleasure. We've, you know, we've touched on so many 
kind of golden nuggets out there that if someone can just take one thing away that one percent and it makes a difference to them that's what it's about better quality of life and human being rather than human doing and feeling alive with what we do um so yeah listen thank you very much thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content and of course connect with me on linkedin take care have a great day